0: This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips, and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money, and improve your household harmony.
1: I'm Donna roberts a commercial and strategy executive who gets so much joy telling Siri what to do.
0: I'm Mia Northrock, a researcher and writer. His love affair with technology started in the 1980s when my dad brought home a Commodore 64, with a memory of 64 kilobytes. Huge. In this episode, we interview Lynette
1: Colston, the owner of tech support provider IT & Coffee.
0: Hello and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. Listeners, before we explore all things tech, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the monthly Momentum newsletter, which will nudge you about seasonal life admin tasks and practical resources to add to your toolkit. Head to lifeadminlifehacks.com to sign up.
1: And while you're there, make sure you opt in to be notified when our book, Life Admin Hacks, becomes available in January, just a month away, so you'll be first to know that it's out there ready to buy.
0: We know that technology continues to change rapidly. There's an understatement for you. It can be really hard to keep up with best practices and the latest apps, so we want to chat to someone who's made it their business to support everyday people with their technology.
1: So, in this episode, we chat to Lynette Colston, who reveals that voice assisted apps are her go to time savers, and that the curve of forgetting means you really need to continue to play with your tech every day to make sure you don't forget how to use it. And no one, yep, no one is backing up enough. You really need to make sure you're automating it. So, if you want to know what life
0: admin tech is essential, listen on. <laughs> Lynette Colson had a 30-year career in software development and IT, but in 2012, she left that all behind to create IT and Coffee, a business focused on offering technology support and education to residents of her local area. Through relaxed social gatherings and individualized support, she discusses technology topics explained in a friendly, understanding environment over a cuppa. Over the years, this has extended to include support and training for those in small business, for parents struggling to manage the family's technology, which we can totally relate to, for those returning to the workforce or study, and for those who just want to better understand how their technology can help them manage their day-to-day life. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Lynette.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: To kick us off
1: today, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the most common or the biggest mistakes you see people make when it comes to the tech they use to manage their life, admin and personal affairs?
2: Yeah, so... Uh... I know in the in the question that you, you asked me that you talk about file storage, password management and accounts and I thought, wow, that's a dry start <laughs> talking <laughs> about filing. <laughs> Very exciting. But it is one of the biggest problems I see with people who are not that familiar with technology, people who haven't grown up with it in business, perhaps education, and even people who have grown up with it in those environments don't. Often understand filing, where are their files stored? How do you manage all your files and So often I see people who have lost files and, and they call me in to try and find files that they 've lost so I think it's you know it's so important for people to understand. You know, on Windows File Explorer, if you don't know what it is, you might need a lesson. Finder on the Mac, but also to understand on mobile devices, you've got file management apps that allow you to actually use your mobile device as if it's a computer. So if you don't understand that stuff, it's really worth a lesson in that so that you can solve that glorious mystery of where your files actually live. I I so often see people who have lost files because what they've done is they rely on their recents. You know, when you're in Mm. Word or Excel, people who have done this will know what I'm talking about. And so they've been working on a file that's in their recents and then they come back one, you know, sometime and it's not there anymore. And they never really understood where it lived. Mm. It was just in their recents. Just understanding that whole thing about filing and thinking about, your filing cabinets on your devices so that you don't lose all those valuable files. So that's a really dry start, isn't it?
0: Well, I think that's a really good start. This topic, life admin, some people, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's so crucial because we're ruled by it in a way. I think you touch on there that idea that you kind of need to have like a mental model of what your file structure is and everything needs a home and you need to be able to categorise things. Those categories need to be distinct so that you're like, oh, did I put it in there or did I put it in that one? Because they could be in either because they gave them weird labels. So people setting up that file structure, do you support people with that? Is that
2: where they're tripping over? Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. What I do, you know, like I do run classes on that or help people one on one with that sort of stuff. And, you know, what we always talk about is that mental image of the real world and what you you do with your files that you have filing cabinets, one or more perhaps, and you have your drawers and you have your Mm. suspension folders and your manila folders within those suspension folders. So, trying to get that picture in people's heads of that's what you're doing when you're filing on a computer. So, when you're thinking about about filing think about that where would you put it if you actually had a physical filing cabinet
0: there's a reason why those little icons are shaped like manila folders everybody (laughs) really trying (laughs) to (laughs) tap you into that concept
1: but it's it's interesting because i was trying to teach that concept to my daughter because i was trying to get her to clean up her school computer where she had files mm. everywhere mm. and she didn't know what i was talking about because we don't have a filing cabinet <laughs> they're not used to it so that's going to be an interesting dilemma for kids when they get older like why are these icons shaped in this way what are these things
0: well, it's like a saving icon a floppy disk It is, it's hilarious. Who under the age of thirty five has seen actual floppy disc in real life?
2: but that's the little save
0: icon.
2: It's actually a thing that I see with, with a lot of kids as well. They haven't learnt to file, as, as you've seen, and there's just stuff all over their desktops. And, you know, when, and when I talk to people about that, it's like just picture you're working at your desk and you've just got papers mm. all over your desktop. And yeah, it's
0: messy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason it's called a desktop for the computer too.
1: And I think it, it is a massive, massive inefficiency too, the wasting time looking for documents so Mia and I talk about having your cloud storage as a foundation of your life admin system that if you don't put that in place everything takes longer because you waste time looking absolutely yeah
2: yep. and similar in your mail you know it's it's all that sort of thing of just putting it somewhere where you can find it later if you need to keep it put it somewhere where you can find mm. it
0: all right so you've talked about file storage what other, other common mistakes people make or that where they trip up
2: backups oh. Another DD word, backups. People don't do backups, including those kids out there. You know, so often this time of year I'll get that call from a mum or, or a student where they've spilt coffee on their keyboard or they've done something and they've lost their, their files because they're not backing up or as well using cloud storage so that their, their files are protected. Far too often people don't pay any attention to this until the disaster happens. Mm. And I just say it's like an insurance policy, you know. You've got to take out insurance for your home and your your car and it should be the same thing for your valuable files and and your photos, you know. Mm. It's awful when people lose their precious photos. So where should people be backing up
0: to? Obviously they can they can put precious files on cloud storage, but if they're not going to use cloud storage, what do you recommend that they use?
2: Look on on a Windows computer there is there's a backup tool built in. So you can plug in an external hard drive. You can set it up so that it happens automatically. On a Mac, there's a product built in or a service built in called Time Machine and it's really easy to set up. So I use both of those. I don't, you know, I do have cloud storage. There's lots of clouds in my sky. But I, I also have my hard drive back up as well because, you know, you just never know where one of them has perhaps had a glitch and stopped working. Mm. I have had to call on one or the other at times.
1: So Lynette, you talked a little bit about cloud storage, but what are your favourite tech tools you use to manage Life Admin for you and your family?
2: Ah, oh, look, like I'm sure you have found as mums, that load of all the things you've got to manage in your lives and your kids' lives can really bring you down and And for me, it's the reminders app on my phone and my computer that is my godsend. So I would not be without that. That in combination with the voice assistant, I'm I'm on Apple, so I have Siri. So that ability to just quickly remind myself about something and know that it will then remind me at the time that I've asked it to, I could not be without that. I couldn't manage my life, my family's Mm. life. When it arrived in 2011 with this Siri, It was just unbelievable what a relief it was for me because I was a mum of four trying to work full-time and every morning there'd be all these things I'd be trying to think of and think, I've got to do this today, I've got to do that today, and to be able to just unload that into Siri into my reminders it was amazing so what kinds of things because I think some people are like oh I never know what to ask Siri to do or what kinds of things I should be jotting down look it's even simple things often I'm busy in the middle of something someone rings me I think oh I can't take that now I need to ring them back remind me to call back Joanne In two hours it is things like you know remind me at 7 a.m on Wednesday excursion for Jacob remind me you know it's just all those things I just need it to pop up in my face at a particular time to remind me to do things so that is my main one that I use and have you customized your Siri have I customized my Siri oh your voice a sexy English man or something. That's what mine is.
1: I've got the English man. I have the English man.
2: <laughs> I find it really weird when I hear a, a male voice because I've got the female. female series.
0: No, she's a girl. She's an Australian girl. I've got the Australian voice. We'll love it.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So reminders, Siri. Yeah, and look, just things like give me directions too and it will just start turn-by-turn directions to somewhere. If I need to put something in my calendar, you know, um, schedule Pilates at 8am every Tuesday and it just does a recurring event in my calendar and that gets us into calendar. I Mm -hmm. could not be without my calendar. My life is in my calendar, what I've got on. And I think, you know, for anyone it's really worth using a digital calendar but for anyone that does use one make sure your calendar has is set to remind you when an event is coming up so it's not much better than a wall calendar if it doesn't have that but with that reminder uh, feature with that alert feature it's just so helpful
0: you bring up a really good point there that i think people do they don't take into account that functionality and they it is kind of a static tool but you can have it remind you obviously 15 minutes before or you know those tasks you can have them reminding when you're leaving somewhere or when you're arriving somewhere or you know you can trigger a, a reminder if you start messaging someone particular so if you're messaging a contact and you have a task related to that person it'll remind you don't forget to you know, organise this or talk about
2: that. Yeah, and the one where the time to leave one where, you know, I always think about Mm. basketball on a Saturday where I would have a reminder set to come up half an hour before. But you can set it so that it looks at the traffic and it gives you an earlier reminder if you need to leave earlier. There's some fantastic features in there. And also with the calendar, sharing a calendar with someone. So, we have a family calendar that I share with my husband, and we can both pop events into that calendar. We both know what's on in the family calendar, and it's really good for the relationship. <laughs> because it means it's not you that is the owner of the calendar who has to tell everyone else about what's on it means it's in their calendar and there can be responsibility out of your hands for you know people knowing what's on in the family life
0: absolutely I think that speaks to the sharing that mental load and not one particular person being in charge and being able to share the tasks And it being in neutral territory, as you say, it's it's a neutral space. It's a shared
2: space. What calendar app do you use? I actually use uh, a combination. My main one on the computer is one called Fantastical. And the reason I use that is on the computer very clearly shows both reminders, tasks, and calendar events on the same calendar so you can see you know with your day what are the reminders you've got coming up at particular times as well as the tasks okay. and i love that nice. on my phone my iphone i use one called week calendar because it it has a better week at a view view at a week week at a view <laughs> yeah so yeah. i can see i don't love the built-in calendar app on the iphone because it doesn't give a really good week view but this week calendar does it's excellent
0: Okay, well we'll link out to those in the show notes for people who are not happy with their views as well. And I, I think when you're looking at your phone, you know, if the day or the week view is annoying to you or even on your computer, you want that visual of what does the month look like or the week look like, that can actually be the tipping point to getting that right it can be like the moment when you abandon paper calendars and wall plans and those other visual things that just, give you a feeling of, okay, I've got a comprehensive view. I know what's going on. Unless you can have that on your phone and feel comfortable or on your computer, you still might have multiple systems going on. So it's, it is important to get those tools.
2: Yeah. To Fantastic. also lets you do plain English. You can just type in plain English things like lunch with Jody tomorrow mm. and it will actually put it in for 12pm tomorrow. Yeah. And so you can actually just use plain English and it'll decode that into an event oh, for you. Which is I really- love it.
0: The AI at work.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I do think it, you know, it's an area where people don't invest enough energy, as you and May talked about, in making sure that they select the apps. I think people often assume they need to use the native app on their phone for their calendar and their email or on their computer just often to fault to outlook because that's you know they're using the microsoft suite investing some time in setting up those foundational systems can make a big difference to your yeah, efficiency
2: i agree that it's hard if you've loved your, your beautiful diary your, in your handbag you know there's beautiful ones i loved i love that and i found it a bit of a struggle to give that up at first
0: oh I still mourn my filofax. I
2: still have it. In a yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is worth it. It's definitely worth it. So I
1: think we've talked a little bit about what people struggle with, but one of the questions Mia and I were actually talking about earlier today is what about older people? Do they have different struggles? And I guess, you know, we're talking about helping our own parents with their tech issues and you know, should we as patient children help or, you know, or should we be recommending them to get some professional help? (laughs) What's
2: your experience in that domain? Oh, look, it's really hard to help your own family members, I think. It's always hard. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to spend the time. It's hard to be, I've got a direct experience of being that child that, that the parents ring And every time they ring, it's like we've got to talk technology first (laughs) and it can be really difficult and draining. All I would say is I know I talk to people who, who try to help their parents or are asked to help their parents and they... Have the uh, perception that their parents are really dopey when it comes to this thing there 's something wrong with them. they just don 't get it why don 't they get it and I just say to them, they are so completely normal in my world. that is normal. Why would you expect them to understand this stuff they 've had no exposure through their work life they 've had no exposure in and I sort of say it's like you expect them to speak a language they've never heard before. You know, and often the kids are the digital natives who have been speaking the language all through their lives and they expect these other people to understand what they say when they speak that language. It's really important to understand that they are not as bad as you think they are. <laughs> to be honest, my, I was helping my mum. Before I started the business, I'd be helping my mum. We bought her an iPad and I thought, oh, my God, what have we done? because I was constantly on the phone with her trying to help her and she was impossible to help. You know, I'd say to people, I don't know what's wrong with her. She doesn't get this stuff. And then I started the business and I realised, oh, my God, my mum's really good (laughs) because she was just so normal for that age group that they're just grappling with something entirely new and everyone makes them think they should pick it up quickly.
0: When you were saying I was helping her over the phone, I was having flashbacks to trying to help all sorts of people over the phone with tech. It it made me really respect IT help desk when you call them because trying to explain to someone over the phone when you can't see what they can see is really, really hard. I think my best piece of advice if you're trying to help someone with tech is at least be there with them if you can it takes you, you away can. so much of the friction and the frustration. Oh my God, there's like gray hairs
2: dedicated to my talking my mum through. A manager. I know, but I found also the way I've had to deal with it many a time is if you are having to do it over the phone, instead of trying to tell people, you know, like, especially if they're not finding what you know is on the screen because they go into panic mode and so they can't see what you're and when you say mm. left, they look right and all mm-hmm. of that sort of stuff. I actually found that with my mum, I would have to say, especially with my mum, read out to me what you see on the screen. What's up the top left? What's in the middle? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, oh, there it is. (laughs) That's good advice. On the other
0: end of the spectrum, we have kids.
1: Yeah, so I think this is how I first came across you, Lynette, was you came and did a presentation at my kids' school around setting up screen time for iPads. So we know that, you know, managing kids' devices and particularly limiting screen time can be a huge headache. And I think something people are struggling with a lot at the moment, you know, we're still here in lockdown in Melbourne as we're recording this. So I guess I'd be keen to know, you know, what are your top tips? I know we can't cover it in detail in, you know, in this interview, but. You know, what's the, you know, if you could tell someone one thing, what would it be?
2: Look, I would say do make use of the built-in capabilities that you've got on on say the iPad and iPhone, for example. And there's a similar thing on on Google devices, on on Android devices. Make use of the screen time printer controls that they have there. Learn about them. Google them. It's amazing what you can find on Google. There will be advice on Google telling you how to set things up. And start out as you mean to continue. Before you give a child a device, set up the parental controls. There's nothing harder than removing something they've had. It's so much easier if they've never had it to start with, if they know the rules from the start. Also, what I think is just so good about those sort of tools is that they take the responsibility away from you. If you set up things like downtime where it everything goes off at a particular time and doesn't uh, become available until the next morning and time limits. It takes away that fight that you have to have with the kids over. Come on, you know, devices off. It it just happens. It just happens magically. (laughs) Another thing to consider also, and we're getting into more techie territory here, but what I found really helped me as a parent was setting up the home router at home the home wi-fi to restrict access per device you know you can you could set up profiles so that each device you could nominate what sort of device it was with a child or parent and then you could set rules around what those devices can access times of day they can access them all of that sort of stuff and even do it remotely there was nothing more satisfying <laughs>
0: All right, tell us more about this router. What router does that? Does that come with your broadband supply or is that a separate?
2: I wrote an article actually only – I do a fortnightly newsletter and I put an article in there about – The Telstra actually has a capability where you can set a limit across your whole internet to say that you want low, medium or high controls over the parental controls and also lets you turn it off overnight or, you know, have sort of that time when the internet's just switched off. But that's household wide. So if you want to watch Netflix while the kids are in bed, then you don't really want that. (laughs) But there are routers, yeah. The one I used was a Netgear one, but there's all different ones. Netgear now has, and I actually think there's other ones that use the same thing. Um, I think it's called Circle by Disney where you can actually set all this up and have it all managed from an app on your phone so that you can be seeing who's on your Wi-Fi, you know, what sort of restriction levels levels you have on them. You can knock them off Mm. if they're misbehaving, all of that sort of stuff. So it's really worth thinking about that.
0: That sounds really useful. I think obviously on the Apple devices screen time is great, but as Dinah mentioned, now that we're at lockdown, my kids are on laptops for school. Yes. And there's yes. no telling when, you know, you think they're on Mathletics or you think they're in WebEx. No, they're on YouTube and they have been for an hour. And being able to control some of that at the router level <laughs> is great.
2: Yeah. And that's it, that's the thing. You can control it by type of, you know, website type oh. of service so that you can block all social media during the day i've got that article that i did in the newsletter that i think you can also do that sort of thing you can have homework time which Mm. could effectively be you know school time during the day where certain websites are blocked and that's at the the service provider level not just at the router level so it's worth having a bit of of a look at that
0: that sounds useful for kids but also for just general productivity if you wanted to block access to your own face sort of social media during the day
1: yeah yeah. And I think for lockdown, some people might want to block internet shopping sites because I know that there's been some people who've been struggling with that during lockdown. Maybe I need to block Amazon. <laughs> so I think we have talked a little bit about the apps that you use for Life Admin, but are there others on smartphone or tablet or computer, browser extensions that you use that you think that um, our listeners
0: might want to check out? Anything new? Anything yeah. new that's come out that's like totally awesome and original? Yeah.
2: <laughs> now you've got me. Look, I, I say to everyone, get a scanning app on your phone. It's an absolute, it's one of my top, top tips. You must have a scanning app on your phone. And people say to me, why do you need that? You can just take a photo of things. But a scanning app will actually, whatever size it is, it could be a massive, great big thing. It doesn't have to just fit on a scanner bit. It can be anything, great big picture, whatever. A scanning app will scan it it will straighten it up. So you could sort of take the photo at a bit of an angle, but it will straighten it up so it is the right sort of proportions. It will crop it, it will clarify it and have it ready for you to do whatever you want to do with it. Could be to send it to someone, save it somewhere, you know, whatever. And some of those scanning apps do an amazing job of scanning photos. So scanning all your your, your digital photos. There's one that I use that will scan multiple Uh, photos at a time so you can so quickly get through all your old photos get them scanned in and even sort of record what date the photo was taken so that it appears in your photos app in the right order you know in the photos app it shows a timeline of your photos so you can make sure that your photos are all there in in the right place I'll tell you my two favourites. The one that I use as my, my go-to one day today is one called Scannable by Evernote or Evernote Scannable. Evernote is a digital note uh, scrapbook sort of app, and that is one that I use as well. So that's one of my go-to apps. Uh, Scannable is part of Evernote's suite of apps, but you don't have to use Evernote to use Scannable. And it's free and it does an amazing job, always does an amazing job, and it does photos as well. And then the one that I use for scanning multiple photos at a time, which lets me set the date and all that sort of stuff as I go, is called PhotoMine. It's a paid one, I have to say. It is a paid one, but I thought it was worth the money. I paid a subscription so I could use it and I use it all the time now.
1: I just downloaded PhotoMine because I have that's been my lockdown project. I've been scanning my old photo
2: albums and, yeah, I'm finding it really good. Good, aren't so. you? second endorser it is good yeah it does it does an amazing job and like I'm often called in to help people sadly when you know when someone dies and then they should really quickly get old photos together and scanned in for a you know a funeral book or whatever and so photo mine has made that so much easier as well because you just get through it so quickly uh, and then the other one I would say everyone should have an app that allows you to fill in pdfs and sign them really quickly and easily on a mobile device and the one that i is my go-to for that is adobe fill and sign Um, so it's amazing i should say also going back to the scanning app if you're not on scannable is only on apple apple mobile devices so if you're on an android device there's lots of other options i think it's still called office lens I think they changed the name. There's the Microsoft one, which the kids use, or my son does, for doing scanning of stuff to send back to school. Office Lens is part of the Microsoft suite, and it's free. Talking cloud storage, you can scan straight into your OneDrive or your Dropbox. So if you use any of those, there's a scanner front and center on the screen for scanning documents straight into there. And there's also Adobe Scan, which is also a free one that you can use.
1: Great. Those are some great tips. So- Thanks for
2: those. We didn't talk passwords yet. Oh my gosh, I've just realised I skipped <laughs> passwords.
1: <laughs> so do you want to give us your top tips about passwords then, before we move on to the next
2: questions? <laughs> yeah, I, I did want to talk about passwords because it's something that I deal with the fallout of bad passwords and repeated passwords all the time. People getting getting caught out by phishing emails and giving away. A combination of email address and password, and then they've used the same thing across multiple accounts, and then they can be hacked in multiple ways because of that. Day in, day out, I had this conversation with people. I was talking to someone yesterday, I won't mention who it is, but it's a family member who just, we were talking about passwords. Her passwords were appalling. They were like, you know, name and postcode or (laughs) something like that. Really easy to guess type of passwords. You must have strong passwords, different passwords for every account that you set up. Uh, Because the idea of phishing emails is that they want to just get one combination because they know you, that you use the same thing across multiple accounts and if ever you need proof of why it's so important i don't know have you heard of the website have i been p-w-n-e-d have i been pund I'm not sure what it stands for pund. pund i believe you pronounce that what is it how do you pronounce it pund, pund. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone should go there and check both their mobile number, key in your mobile number, key in your email address, and you will see how many sites that have your details recorded, your email address and password or your phone number, how many of those sites have had the credentials stolen and therefore out there on the dark web and available, readily available are your credentials that if you've repeated them elsewhere, could be available to someone to, to get into your account. Uh, and it is often how people get hacked. Yeah. So in terms of passwords, um, my recommendation is get a password safe, password vault app. There's a few good ones around. Several of them have been around for a long time. One Password is a good one. It's got the digit one at the start. One Password, Last LastPass, Dashlane, they're all very popular ones. But even if you're on an, because I'm Apple, I'll talk Apple here, if you're on an Apple device, your Notes app, you can lock a note. You can store confidential stuff in there and then lock the note with a passcode that applies across all your notes People will often put their passcodes in, you know, notebooks or on pieces of paper or put them in their contacts thinking that no one will work that out or put them in notes without a lock. You need something where they're they're locked behind some sort of passcode and hopefully a decent passcode. The idea is then you just have to remember one one passcode not a whole heap you just look it up don't worry that you can't remember your passwords just store them somewhere safe with a passcode
1: so I think we've covered lots of the foundational parts of life admin I think you know Mia and I fully endorse all of those foundational digital tools so what about we think about mindsets and we talked a little bit about it before that some people are convinced they're not techie. So what are some useful mindsets and beliefs for people to adopt to be more confident and improve their digital
2: literacy? One of the problems is that people, people who aren't feel they're not good on technology, see others using the technology and and it looks so easy and they just, it's like, why can they do it and why can't I? What they don't realise, I think, is that the people that are able to do those things are doing it using their technology potentially a lot more than those who can't are. You know, when I started running classes, I would get people that would come to a weekly class and then the next week when we got together, they'd say, oh, I haven't touched it since I last saw you. I haven't, you know, I haven't done anything. And and so what I started doing in my classes and, I, and often in appointments as well is showing something called the curve of forgetting. It's a really good graphic because what it shows is, you know, on the day that you learn something, you're at 100%. And then it shows this curve of what happens if you don't then revise. If you don't touch the thing that you just learnt within 24 hours, you've dropped down like 70% in terms of what you remember about what you learned. And it sort of keeps going down so that if by day seven, you haven't actually revised and touched it again, it's gone. It's like you never learned it. And the thing that I say to people is that's not a graphic that applies to old people or people that, ha- you know, that are new to technology. It's something, a graphic that they gave my son in year seven on his study calendar as a reminder to the kids, this is why you need to revise. Because if you don't, you won't remember what you learned and so my message to people is you know don't beat yourself up because you're not picking it up quickly but it is a case of you've got to keep using it you've got to you've got to continually use these things for it to get into your long-term memory and understanding and also you know I find that particularly women are very down on themselves about their ability to learn this stuff very apologetic every day I'll get someone that rings me and says I'm hopeless I will be the most hopeless person you've ever come across. <laughs> I'll be your worst customer and you know and they'll all talk about how their kids can't can't stand helping them and all that sort of stuff and I just say look you know you are normal you know so don't think that you can't learn this stuff you can and and once you actually I often find like once people realise they're not unusual, that there's nothing wrong with them. It is okay. It just sort of opens the door a bit to, to learning and also just making it fun. Like when we do have appointments and classes, there's lots of laughing and silly things. The men don't like it as much. <laughs> <laughs> so the key there to be, you know, to bring some self-compassion to it and
0: realise yeah. it's like comparing yeah. yourself to your... Twelve-year-old or your sixteen-year-old who's spending hours each day in apps of all kinds, and they are digital natives. Have grown up, you know, probably had, an, had a tablet of some kind in their hands before they were two. Comparing yourself to that is not helpful. So it's nice to hear that it's very normal. It's a learning curve, like everything else you have to learn. Not a statement about your character your intelligence
2: i think it's also important that people understand you know i'll hear i hear people say all the time oh the kids know it all and they don't they know small bits and pieces that they use but they're actually there's so many areas that they don't know you know don't assume Mm. that they know it all okay
0: so what kinds of resources can people draw on if they find themselves needing some it support do you have favorite youtube channels or newsletters well, talk to us about
2: your own membership. Yeah, I do find that um, the client base that I tend to work with—they would never naturally Google something, and they would never naturally look up a, a YouTube video. It's just not something that comes to mind. So, I'm constantly in my classes where you know, if someone's got a problem, I'm co- you know, I'm constantly suggesting that they Google it and telling them that actually. I don't know the answer to these things most of the time. I Google it. I'm not this font of knowledge where it's just all in there and I can just pull it out. I Google. I've learned my whole business has been built on teaching myself things via Google and anyone else can do that. And so in doing that, it's important to know how to phrase your Google questions. So we sort of talk about that a bit. I do a a fortnightly newsletter that I send out, which is focused on tips and tricks for making life a bit easier with your technology or nifty things that you can do. And so, you know, you can sort of tap into that sort of service. What I have been doing uh, more recently through lockdown, I have a service called the IT and Coffee Club. Quite a few of my clients have joined. and, And the idea of that is it does get them the newsletter and tips and tricks. And depending on their membership level, they can watch videos of the classes that we've recorded so any class that we run we record and so what I've done during lockdown is featured a video of the day which I've had a lot of positive feedback on because their videos that were always there and a lot of people who were members could have watched them but they've really enjoyed just having something each day to learn across the the lockdown period Uh, having sort of a i can only watch it today and then it's gone and so it actually forces them to sit down and watch that thing so it's been it's actually been really interesting but yes i am sort of trying to build up that it and coffee club because the more people i have as members the more sorts of services like that that i can can offer
0: and it's definitely worth something in, to invest your time in because digital literacy does remain one of those skill shortages, not just in Australia, but globally as technology keeps advancing and becoming more integral in every parts of our lives. You do need to keep up. So find your YouTubers that speak in a way or have the content related to the devices you have at home so you can look at, okay, I've got this app, I've got this device. Someone will be YouTubing a tutorial about that or find someone I'm like sorry. IT and Coffee and
2: subscribe and and keep learning keep getting exposed to all the new cool tech that's out there and i do find that a lot of people they want that um that personal touch that personal interaction and someone that they can come to and ask questions and and so you know i think it is important to have a a face and someone you can call that sort of thing
1: well awesome thanks so much for sharing everything with us Leonard, today i'm actually off to um, download adobe fill and sign and to look up the forgetting curve so um (laughs) So we did talk a bit about your IT and coffee club, but where can our listeners find you if they'd like to join up or find out more about your services?
2: There's the IT and coffee website, itandcoffee.com.au. There's a menu option that talks about the club and you can see what videos we have available, how to make appointments, all that sort of stuff. We're actually in Camberwell, although, of course, during lockdown, not seeing anyone, but it's just been amazing through COVID that people have taken to the remote support option, have have you know been brave enough to try that. And so I think more and more going forward, that will be our preferred way of, of dealing with people because it's just it's so powerful, the remote support option, because you can look at each other on the screen and share each other's screens and, you know, even actually that's something that's worth mentioning for people out there. When you're helping your parents, helping someone that needs help, make use of that the same thing that i use for the business the apps like zoom when you're on zoom you can get a parent to share their screen with you even from an ipad or an iphone and then you can walk them through the problem rather than just talking about it on the phone you can actually help them (laughs) it's worth doing there's the button (laughs) button. button? no doubt down down Yeah, so anyway, so yes, yeah, So even if you're not near Camberwell in Melbourne, we've actually been providing remote support Australia-wide. And even like I, I was, I did an appointment last week with someone from North Carolina in the US and another one from Chicago. So it's amazing what it's opened up in terms of possibilities for, for getting help because it doesn't matter where you are anymore. Good on you. Liz. Awesome. Should I say the phone number as well if you want to call is 1300 eight eight.
0: Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. And if you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend, or review us in your podcasting app. You can also follow
2: us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.